Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And he drove his motorcycle that fast. He drove a big chop hog with a gang cousin's jacket and a ran down citizens for laughs. He had an old lady named Petula, packed an automatic 45 gun. They had just come up from California where they shot six cops for fun. Jake thought it was the best there was down the Late on a Thursday evening, and Jake, he was feeling kind of mean. Cause he just ran out of his favorite drug, you know, the one called Amphetamine. So he sauntered up to the Tula, and it said, Say, baby, let's split. There's a little gas station on down the road that might be fun to hit. So they drove up to the station, and they both jumped off the Jake's ride. They were up to derision at Jake's decision as they both sauntered inside. Pretending he was an old man And you know he didn't think it very funny When Patooth would die That great big gunner said Honey, give me all your money Where well, the old man opened up the cash drawer And Jake grabbed the money and ran With Patooth out the door To the big chop hog that was hot Down the center kickstand Then they headed out for the four lane And they thought it was lots of fun With Jake and his hog With the two the dog With the automatic 45 gun Jake thought it was the best there was down the interstate he'd roar Till the daily tangle with the county sheriff They all called 104, 42, she was the best, and she gave out the description of Jake the Maga with his gang colors jacket and Petula with the 45 gun. Now it just so happens that Jake, he was hit up five to two, where 104 was popped in the shade, thinking, baby, I'm awake with you. Jake laughed and thought 
paid But you should have seen the look in his eyes When outside my drove on 522 You know, got one hell of a surprise Cause up ahead on the roadway With a shotgun looking down the pole Was Sergeant Nichols with his finger on the trigger In the infamous 104 It was then the chase that it started But Jake didn't think it very fun When it felt the blast in the spokes of his wheels From 104 shotgun Chase it got in the full gear As it went over valley rides They were over ditches and barbed wire fences And Jake kept hitting cow pies Then just ahead on the I-5 junction Where the back road's in and a hump Chase was over in a field of clover As Jake's back hit a stump Yes, friends, there was Jake He had landed head first in a butch tree And ruined his brand new gang colors jacket But then you couldn't look on the bright side Cause all it did to Petula was chafe for chapstick Across four lanes of traffic Sardinica We're here to make you feel Hi, Tom Davis here with Metatron Power and Light We'd like to thank everyone for all the positive emails and responses to our music Our music can be found on Amazon, Spotify, YouTube, and all digital outlets and is featured on Night Dreams Talk Radio with Gary Anderson. Metatron Power and Light is a band that deals with esoteric subjects, the paranormal, and other topics that engage the spirit and mind. Visit MetatronPowerAndLight.com to learn more. Facing a time of great change and the future is unwritten. But when we come together and seek answers, we expand our awareness until we begin to see the unseen. Uncovering secrets allows us to develop the knowledge we will need to shape our future and control our destiny. The views, opinions, and representations expressed on the Night Dreams Talk Radio Network and its website are those of the hosts, guests, and participants, and are not necessarily those of or endorsed by the network, its affiliated stations and broadcasts, the management, other hosts, or advertisers of the network. The show is found on the Night Dreams Talk Radio Network can, but do not necessarily, promote any particular lifestyle, belief, religion, political affiliation, or other personal practice. These shows are for entertainment purposes only and are not intended to treat, diagnose, and or claim any cure of disease or condition or give any medical or legal advice. Coming to you from some far point station, like a cosmic tumbleweed, both north and south of the Pleiades, here's your host, Gary Anderson. Hey, that is me. Well, good morning, afternoon, depending on your time zone. We are coming to you live. We're not a podcast. We're not on Memorex. We are on the air. Well, I hope everybody had a great day down at the compound today. Well, it started out rainy, kind of chilly. Well, it's not raining right now. Boy, you get the swimming pool put out and guess what happens? You get plenty of rain. Well, a very Roy, a Roy, a very rare 1933 gold double eagle coin. No, the $20 coin. Well, it sold 
for $18.9 million. Now, this was the last coin that was minted in 1933, uncirculated. But look at that $20 coin went up to $18.9 million. Interesting. I wish I had a few of those. Well, a new study says that, well, people that have problems sleeping, well, they risk of dying sooner. And people have diabetes and other health issues. If you don't get enough sleep, you risk dying sooner. Boy, does that mean you can't listen to late night radio? I don't know. Hey, James, who's our guest tonight? Well, tonight our guest is Jonathan Smith. Now, he is doing his part to get Bigfoot classified and protected. He is also educated in horticulture and has been working in and around the woods for 30-plus years. Now, he has identified many Bigfoot structures, and he does research six and a half days a week since he had his first encounter with a Bigfoot. Now, he is currently in touch with more than one Bigfoot family. Very interesting. Jonathan, welcome to Night Dreams Talk Radio, and how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, hey, that's what we do here. Uh, what You know, how many years ago was it when you had your first encounter? What were you doing when you had this encounter? Uh, it was actually last year. Um, it, it all began on me May uh, there were encounters before my first encounter, if I can say that. In other words, I was going to a particular place and had been for two to three years. Um, I would go there and sit out at night because the place was known for, um, if you want to call it UFO activity, I wouldn't necessarily light, call it that. I'd call it light anomaly activity. Um, it's the kind of thing that the Weather Channel and, and physicists and things like that, people like that study. Um, so there's an actual event going on there, but I have seen UFOs there, what I believe is UFOs, and I have seen them with witnesses. And I would just go out there every night, um, really more or less just to be with myself and to be with my thoughts. You know, at first it kind of became like, oh, I want to have a paranormal experience, and then it kind of just turned into, I really like being out here. And uh, I was, I'd been doing this for two or three years, and then this past year, sometime in June, um, something started throwing uh, rocks at me. And when I say rocks, I mean like small rocks, little pebbles, or maybe even acorns. I don't know. I, I never, we never could really find what they were throwing, but we we would hear them. <clears throat> and this happened on three occasions. And every time it happened, I was with a different witness, and I was usually with someone I did not know, <laughs> someone I just met there, you know. And um, and it would happen, and I often wouldn't bring it up until several minutes later. And the brother person would say, "Yeah, actually, I did think something was thrown at us." Only one time, um did it happen and someone else actually we both said it at the same time immediately you know what happened where did that come from we started looking for it and it was still daylight we started looking for the rock and we were thinking could it, could it have spilled out of the truck when this guy's wife got out of this guy was talking to his wife gotten out of the truck or something you know or what what happened where this noise come from and but we knew it's just it's just one of those things you know that uh, you're in the middle of a parking lot you know on the side of a scenic highway on the side of a mountain you know, way off in the woods, and your things are landing in the middle of this parking lot, which is about the size of a football field or a little bit bigger. Um, so it's just a big flattened area surrounded by trees and forests, and, you know, and there's a big embankment on the back side, and then it um, kind of goes down the ridge on either side and, and then down below. And then there you kind of have a view, of course. Um, anyway, uh, so I had those little things happen, and then one night I was up there, and some bear hunters drove by, 
and uh, you're, they're not allowed to hunt bear on, in that particular area, but uh, they are allowed to uh, run their dogs because they can't control where their dogs go. So I guess they chase them with the uh, those geo trackers or whatever, and those collars, you know. And uh, <clears throat> they were driving by, and someone on a gator, um, which is basically like a modified ATV, and or it's kind of like a golf cart ATV, I guess is the best way to describe it. It puts a little bit more power to it, and. Uh, they were playing the blasting a radio really loud, and I remember I was hearing them going down, and I'm deaf in my right ear, so that has to kind of be kept in consideration in every story I tell. But um, they were going down the mountain, and I, I thought I was hearing them. You know, I was like, they, I could keep hearing them for a long time, and at some point, I realized that I was actually hearing two voices talking, but I was no longer hearing the bear hunters in the radio. And I turned my ear, and I and I heard two voices talking, and it was not. And I don't know that it was Sasquatches. I don't know what it was to this day, but it was not humans, and it was not in a human language. It, I have heard uh, Sasquatches since talk several times, and the way they talk is very sharp. It sounds like, sounds to my ears like uh, if you take the cartoon Tasmanian Devil, put them on steroids, and have a male and a female talking and arguing a lot, that's what it sounds like to me. Interesting. Um, now, now, Jonathan, are you familiar with Ron Moorhead? You know, Absolutely, oh yeah. Very yeah, so. have you heard those type of sounds? Because that's what he's famous for, of the sounds of, you know, Bigfoot and stuff. Have you ever heard anything that sounded like... Well, well there was one thing that was left out of my my, um, uh, my biography there, is that I'm taking primatology and conservation currently, um, which is not going to make me a primatologist, but it's a 30-hour it's a online course, and it's from one of the world's leading primatologists. Um, it's actually been on National Geographic and so on. So I've been studying primates, known primate behavior, for at least a few months now. And really, ever since I had my first Sasquatch experience, it really kind of opened, opened me up. Ron's calls, I'm going to say that Ron's calls sounds like they're, they're way more out in the wild. And where I'm at, there are, there are a lot more people around. This is almost actually a tourist area. There's plenty of woods, don't get me wrong, but there's plenty of areas where humans and Sasquatches can come in contact with one another. And there's a reservation that's not too far from where I live as well. And they've, you know, it's just Sasquatches are a known thing around the reservation there, uh, here, excuse me. So, and, and I, I'm friends with a couple of people there, and there's a, there's a girl that has a friend of mine. She's a woman, I'm sorry. She's 53 now, but um, when she was 16, she told me, you know, that, that she had one that would follow her home from school, and it would parallel her about 25 yards away and just walk beside her as she would walk home on this road, you know, getting off from school bus. And uh, and one day she saw it, and it saw her, and she said she kind of ran, and, and it just started walking fast the opposite direction. Um, but, you know, she thought about it, and she never felt threatened. And uh, to this day, every now and then something comes around her backyard, which she's up on a mountain. And uh, just the other night she was telling me that her dogs were barking, and a rock came flying from out of the woods and landed right near her dogs. <laughs> That's one way to shut a dog up. Yeah, and I, what it was is uh, I, I really told her, I said, I think they want to make contact with you. They're just like, hey, Jesus, I wish you'd shut those damn dogs up, <laughs> you know. I, I know they're just like bears. They don't like barking dogs, you know, as far as that goes. Um, but anyway, going back to my uh, my story, um, and she actually, she would later validate my own experience at this particular place that I'm, I'm talking about now. Um, I didn't know her at the time, but... Uh, so before I had my major encounter, there were little things that kept happening. I was there with another friend from the reservation um, who I'd actually met up there. Um, and, you know, we'd meet, you know, every so many days or whatever and just go hang out and talk. It's just a good place to visit with someone, too. You know, it's, it's mountainside. It's beautiful. 
Um, and we were sitting there one day, and she swore up and down. She heard two tree knocks, just loud cracks. And I had my good ear turned away from where she would thought she heard them, so I missed them. But uh, I had no reason to disbelieve her. Um, she had, she was definitely one of the witnesses that validated some of the UFO activity. We we both had seen at least, I think, three or four UFOs together over a period of about two or three months um, there. And uh, so anyway, um, and let's see what happened after that. So that was that encounter. Another night I was up there, and I remember I was literally putting some clear eyes in my eyes because my allergies were driving me nuts, uh, which they always do in these, these southeastern mountains here. Um, and I, I jumped because I'd heard a loud snap. And I looked over from where I heard the snap, and there was a 27-foot tr- uh, branch laying next to the tree it had just been snapped from. And it had been snapped from about 30 to 35 feet up. Wow. Um, and being someone who is constantly having to judge yardage and feet and so on, and when I'm working in horticulture and working in someone's garden or someone like that, I'm a pretty good judge of height and distance and so on, things like that. Um, and and there was, but I don't know what did it. I never saw what did it. I immediately looked. I'm a hypervigilant person. I have I have great reactions. If something falls, I can I can grab it. Um, I'm also very clumsy too, which will come into play later in some of the stories. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, but um, you know, I, I I I was starting to get the idea that something was going on. I just wasn't sure what. And uh, I finally um. I went out there one night. It was August 2nd, 2020. It was a night before a full moon. The next night was a full moon. And uh, I remember I was, I'd met, uh, I'd posted about a missing animal that I'd seen a few nights before um, in a parking area before this one. And I'd met this uh, family up there who said that they would meet me up there. This was, you know, all done over Facebook and on a site about, you know, lost pets or whatever. And they said that they would come and look for the dog. And I remember meeting them up there and talking to them for a little while and, and you know, looking for the animal that I had seen a few nights before, but, and we couldn't find anything. And so I drove up on the ro- I drove on up the road, and um, it was about, I'm going to say it was, yeah, it was 940 at night when I got to um, this, my destination, which is this, this place that I've been going for years. And... Um, I uh, and there are a lot of legends related to this place. There's, there's. I don't, I don't really want to go into it because I don't want to give too many details away. It is important to me, and I, I know y'all already understand this. But it's important to me to protect the families and the locations and so on. And as well, I could probably upset a lot of people too that know about the families. At this oh time, yeah. If I, if I were well, to give a location away. Now a question. You know, like in this area, is there like structures where you know the Bigfoot have made structures and yeah, shelters? I'm and getting stuff. To all that. Great. Getting to all that, no, and I'm not. I don't mean to be rude. Please don't take me that way. Um, but yeah, I, I, I want to address that. Um, yes, there are. <laughs> there are plenty of them. And but the whole thing, the the way I validate families is that I have an encounter. I get it on recorder. Um, I use a task cam. I, I you know I take this very seriously, and I uh, I go back and listen to the recording, and then I pick a day during the daytime and uh, take some apples with me and I'm prepared to sing or do whatever, and I go and walk through the area and look for structures and take pictures of the structures during the daytime. Um, and then get in, you know, kind of ask, more or less ask for permission to be there, which I usually get every time. I don't seem to have a problem with that. Um, but uh, let me get back to my first encounter. Um, go for so it. The, the, the major encounter that I'm getting to is that, that that very night after I'd left the other parking area looking for this animal, um, I get to, this, to my parking area, and it's 940 at night, 
uh, about, I had actually, I, because I'd been hearing things around the woods, we'd kind of been hearing things walking around in the woods too, but I'd always, you know, just assumed it was a wild animal or something, but this was going for three hours. So it's kind of weird because usually wild animals don't hang around you unless they want to kill you and eat you, you know, and which they pretty much, they're going to do within the first 30 minutes of seeing you, <laughs> you know. Um, they're either going to try to hurt you or they're going to leave, you know. They're, they're just not going to stick around to talk to humans for the most part. A raccoon might hang out for, you know, see what it can get to snacks or whatever. But anyway, I uh, um, I did a tree knock. Um, I did it against a uh, signpost that was out there that was made of wood. And I keep a... a I keep a club in my car um, that I picked up hiking one day in another forest. And I did two tree knocks, I think. And I think I did a couple of loud whoops um, that were similar to what Ron Moorhead's recordings are because that's the only way that I'd understood that Sasquatches might have sounded. Um, so <coughs> uh, sometime, I guess within the first few minutes of that happening, something started going crazy on the embankment behind me. And now, mind you, I'm facing the opposite direction. I am facing west, and I'm I'm looking for you know lights that are off almost uh, uh, across the mountains over this view. Behind me, all there is is this ridge, you know, and it's blocking any view I might have of anything behind it. And it's I'd say it's about from where I was parked. I'd say the ridge was probably it's probably about about 70 yards where it starts, and it just goes straight up. It crosses the 70 yards is going across the road. And then right on the other side of the road, the ridge just goes straight up, almost straight up. It's not exactly straight up. I could climb it, but it's it's a very, very, uh, very hard angle. I'll just say that. Um, and uh, whatever, something on that embankment started going crazy. It started just thrashing about, uh, breaking branches, knocking. I didn't hear any yelling or screaming or whooping or anything like that. It, it would actually be a while before I'd hear almost any vocalizations. Now, i got to ask um, you a question, Jonathan. Was it loud? Was it, like, near you? Which... Oh, yeah. I was terrified. Well, I, I would. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission... Join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I was, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I actually, it was within 100 yards of me. And it stayed within 100 yards of me, but it stayed within the tree line. It wouldn't leave the tree line. And I was out in the parking lot, you know. And uh, so I, um, I, I was so scared that I turned my car around. And I have a, a big Maglite flashlight, and I shined it up there, and I was hollering at this thing. I was, like, just screaming at it. Get on out of here! You know, just, and usually, because usually I can yell. I'm a singer, so I can project my voice, and I can yell at almost anything and get it to leave. I do this with bobcats all the time, no problem. <laughs> you know, and then other animals, too, bears even sometimes. Um, 
So I was hollering at it, and, and instead of leaving, this thing just kept getting louder. And just, like, it it was matching my escalation. You know what I'm saying? That's scary. So if, if I escalated, it escalated. But it didn't make any vocalizations. And uh, I um, this went on for 45 minutes, no lie. Absolutely 45 minutes. I timed everything. I kept checking my um, my cell phone. And uh, the um, I had the mag light in my left hand, and I was turned around facing east at this point. I'm standing in my driver's side door ready to jump in the car, and I've got my, my keys on my, you know, the ring around my finger, and I've got, uh, I'm, I'm just standing there ready to go. I'm shaking in my boots, <laughs> and everything in my body, everything in my body is saying leave now, but my mind was telling me no. No, you know how to deal with this. And I can go into that later, but that's you know, has to do with witchcraft and some of the things I've seen having you know, having But too, Jonathan, with. when you encounter something like that, you know, it you your mind at for a second goes into shock. So yes. too that can affect your responses. I mean, when I had my encounter, I'll tell you, I I, I freaked out. I mean you know, I had a camera. Yeah. I didn't even take a picture. I could have took a picture. I could have had a great picture, and it wouldn't have been yeah. blurry. But you know what? I freaked out. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, they have infrasound. So there's the sounds you're hearing, and then there's the sounds that your body is feeling. You know, so you've heard stories that they can... Am I allowed to... Well, I don't know how, what kind of language I could use on here, but... Uh, well, we, we can use know, everything can... but well, vanity. We can't do that because we're on okay. radio stations. Basically, they can make you poop yourselves. They can make you nauseous. Uh, I mean, they, and, mm. and, you know, this is this is a known thing with known predators. People that uh, zoologists that work with predators will tell you this. Uh, I, I have a friend who actually is a, a rescue, or a wildlife rescuer, and his daughter is a zoologist. And uh, or excuse me, no, this is another man. I'm sorry, but anyways, that doesn't matter on here. But I am. It's, it's another man I'm thinking about. I'm sorry. He told me his daughter's a zoologist and that she works with primates. And for the first two weeks, she was anxious all the time. And um, she finally asked someone why she felt that way around him, and they explained the whole infrasound thing to her. Um, so you know, and that's that, that that's with tigers. That's known with tigers. You know, when they do the. Mm-hmm. You, you know, because you're there's sounds you're hearing, but there's sounds that you're not hearing as your body's feeling. Well, you know, Jonathan, I, you know, I was in Vietnam. I yes. never had an accident. But, you know, oh. when I had my encounter, when it screamed and it it ran across the creek towards us, I tell you, I let loose. I I was yeah. more terrified than I was in any, you know, firefight in Vietnam. That's how so scared I was. You basically went from soldier to uh, little to little child in zero to 60. <laughs> you know. Faster than that. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I'm seeing. They, I agree. They have that effect on you, you know. And um, and it it took me a while to get used to it. But uh, this, yeah, this went on for 45 minutes. Now, nothing, uh, you know, looking back, nothing was directly thrown at me at the time. Um, so there was something else going on here, and I want to get into that later, um, or shortly. But this went on for 45 minutes. So I'm looking at my clock. Like I'm literally looking at my clock, and I'm I'm hyper vigilant person already. So I'm just I'm I'm aware and in the moment. I remember those moments. I just when I'm telling you about them, I'm in those moments again. And and I was very aware of what I was doing, and I knew okay, I need to either get out of here or I need to find out quick what's happening and try to resolve it. And at that point, at, of course, at that point, I'm like okay, I'm not dealing with any normal animals, so I'm going to try something different. 
and I'm a singer, I started singing songs. I sang three songs in a row, because the whole deal is, as terrified as I was, I've dealt with some things that are terrifying, and I know how to stand my ground, and I was not going to come back to that place and have another issue with this creature, or worry about whether or not I was going to have an issue with this creature. So, my point in making peace with the creature was literally just so I could come back to that place. Because I didn't really, at that point, I didn't, you know, I didn't care that I was dealing with a Bigfoot or what I was dealing with. <laughs> I was just want to make sure I could either come back and stay alive, you know, those two things, that was it. And um, and come back without fear. And uh, so I sang three songs. Um, I sang a Ray LaMontagne song. Uh, I sang something else, like some old spiritual. And then I sang a, uh, I think I sang a Cherokee morning song or something. And uh, and it, it got quiet while I was singing. When I stopped singing, it got loud and started thrashing about again. And at this point, I'm kind of weird because I've grown up in a tough crowd. I've had, I've had to stand my ground a lot. I was bullied a lot um, growing up. I've actually been jumped a lot when I was in elementary school. Um, so it's a young age to get jumped. <laughs> I had a great home life, but, you know, my, when I went to school, it was another story. But anyway, um, I uh, I hollered at it, and I said, hey, I am not your enemy. I don't know who or what you are, but I'm your friend, if anything. I said, I don't have any weapons. And I wasn't, I don't carry a, a gun or anything with me. I got like a knife or whatever. I ain't going to protect me from this. And I said, I don't have any weapons. I'm not here to hurt you. I didn't even know you were here. I said, please don't run me off from my favorite place. Literally what I said to this thing. And it got quiet, and I'm sitting there tense, and it was quiet for about two minutes, and then I heard two loud tree knocks. And I said, oh, shit, uh, sorry, uh, pardon me. Um, I said, goodness, that's a Bigfoot right there. And uh, that, right then I knew what it was. But I also decided at that point that no matter who I told until I had better validation, I was just going to say I have no idea what it was. But this was my encounter. And, Immediately. And uh, go ahead, I'm sorry. I, I was going to say, did you notice any smells or anything like that? I, I didn't have that. I've only smelled something a couple of times around them, not a lot. And I want to get into that, too, because I think Sasquatch is in different areas. What I think you encountered was a Sasquatch that doesn't encounter a lot of humans. No, oh, I think where I was at, up in the Canadian Rockies. I mean, I was yeah, miles yeah. from nowhere. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and I think the Sasquatches that I'm in touch with are more habituated to humans. Well, it, it gives you a different response. I mean, you know, when I had our encounter with my friend, uh, it, it was aggressive. Now, again, maybe yes. we're the first humans that it ran into. I don't know. Hey, don't forget, a lot of hunters, a lot of people go missing in the forest. And, you oh, know, yeah. the speculation, it could be Bigfoot, because, you know, I, my daughter married into a native tribe, uh, Muckleshoot, and I talked to the medicine woman a few years ago, because they don't have a medicine man, they have a medicine woman, and, yeah. you know, she told me stories going back around the 1800s about Bigfoot, and yeah. they were not lovable creatures. They would, you know, like the squaws would be down at the river, for example, washing their clothes. And a group of Bigfoot would run through and snatch, you know, the babies or the squaws. And then they yeah. would, you know, the, the tribe would go out with their warriors looking naturally for their loved ones and they would find remains. So, it, it, you know, again, it, uh, you know, this like anything, you know, you can, bears can be domesticated. I mean, Bigfoot probably can too if it's in an area where human population well, you know, is. There, there's humans that have been cannibals in the world before. 
They are still cannibals. I've never, I've never, there's not one thing that, and I know that sounds horrible, don't get me wrong, and I would never, ever, you know, support that in any way, shape, or form, or, or be friends with some kind of creature like that, um, unless it had to do with just getting it to stop doing stuff like that. Um, but I've never seen, there's nothing a Bigfoot's ever done that a human's done, that uh, humans have done far worse. You know, you went to Vietnam. Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, um, Jonathan, so, we need to take our break, and we'll be back in okay. three minutes. So everybody check out our website at www.nightdreamstockradio.com. You can also now find us live on YouTube and on some stations across the country and naturally on iHeartRadio and all the other apps. You're listening to, well, me, Gary, on Night Dreams Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Stay safe, stay indoors, and listen to us. You can advertise your business on Night Dreams Talk Radio, and you will be heard worldwide. Why not contact us at nightdreamstalkradio at gmail.com. Do you have a paranormal story you want to share on Night Dreams Talk Radio? You could be a guest. Email us at NightDreamsTalkRadio at gmail.com You thirst for some significance of the both dimensional kind. You enter a realm of spirit, of sight, and sound. 
Talk Radio After Dark with our host, Gary Anderson. Hey, that is me. Our guest is Jonathan Smith. We're talking about his encounters with Bigfoot. Jonathan, we are back. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, I think I was t- getting telling you about um, uh, being bluff charged for about 45 minutes and then talking it down mm-hmm. and uh, through singing it and so on. And um and you were comparing, I think, some of the aggressive behavior of your encounter um, to the less aggressive behavior to mine. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, but uh, and I wanted to kind of take on that. And, I, and my take on that is that literally, like you, like I said before, you encountered Sasquatch that most likely had a limited contact with humans and what contact it did. I mean, if you uh, put the idea that you're, you're way out in the woods, you look kind of like a bear, and there's hunters out in your, in your home literally, and you have, you know, got who knows how many children to look after, and you have a, a mate to look after. Um, so how are you going to defend your territory? You have no weapons. Um, you're just very powerful, and, uh, you know, there's there's only one way you really know how to protect your family, and how are you going to go about doing that? Well, they're going to be aggressive. I mean, I, again, you know, in my encounter, who knows? It could have been, you know, a family member is there. You know, I will say this. It, you know, we ran as fast as we could, those two miles yeah. through the woods to get back to the car, and it was already there. Or one of its companions or mate was there waiting yeah, for us. Yeah, and yeah. I tell you, that was not a fun experience. So you have never noticed any real smells on these things, but you've had rocks. No, no, I've, I- I've noticed smells a couple of times, just not often. It's about three or four different times I've smelled what sounded, smelled like a combination of a wet dog and sour milk is the only way I could describe it. Well, you know, the least where I was at, what the smell I smelled when we were getting in the car and it was near us, it, it was very pungent. It smelled like urine, musk, or, you know, have you ever been into pepper? It, it like the strongest pepper smell. All combined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was still cold because it was up in the Canadian Rockies the first week of June. It's still snow on the yeah. ground. And it it burnt my nostrils. So I, I tried breathing through my mouth, and it literally burnt my throat. That's how pungent it was. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like they're putting off some kind of a, what, would you call it a pheromone, I think? Well, some type of I'm scent. Sure right some word. type of scent. Yeah, a pheromone or hormone or something. Uh, I think it's a pheromone that they would put off to ward you off you know I've, I've definitely heard their stories um i'm just not having a lot of the same exact same encounters and again I, I think it's because the ones i'm dealing with are just much more habituated to humans um i mean i've already you know i'm friends with someone that they've already been visiting with since she was 16 so <laughs> they're just uh, i guess that's maybe and you know i thought about it and i was like uh i'll put it to you this way in the wild, um, in primatology, I learned that gorillas, um, sometimes silverback gorillas will take, will orphan um, male gorillas, and they'll start a new troop that way. And, uh, and, you know, some people can see that as an act of kindness, and that could also be just simply an act of a strategy for survival. So their befriending humans um, where we live could be some kind of strategy for survival. 
say, well, if they're friends with, you know, we're friends with them, then maybe they won't shoot us, or maybe they'll give us some food or something like that, you know. Um, I mean, it's really that simple to me, and and definitely, um, I've been able to. They like to be entertained, and then I'm not. And again, I can't compare what you what you encounter to what I'm encountering. I'm not going to go out in the woods and start playing music for that Sasquatch because <laughs> you know we're going to start out on a much lighter note than that. You know what I'm saying? Well, you could be as um, barbecue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, but with these, I, I've just I've been working with them. Literally, uh, I would. It was four to six nights up until December twentieth, from August second of last year, uh, four to six nights a week, and then it became on December twentieth was when I realized that they were living right in my front yard. Basically, um, they live within a hundred yards of my house. They're right off my front porch now, and it's it's another family. This was family number four that moved into my house. So by the time I had, you know, they had moved in, I'd already encountered two other families since the first one i take it jonathan that your property is all woodland then behind it or around it no it's got woodland around it but it's not all woodland there are some houses around here and uh, there's a grocery store about two and a half miles down the road now are your neighbors Um, hearing or seeing any of this only the neighbors across from me and i'm closer to them I've known one or two of the other neighbors longer, but I'm closer. The, na- the neighbors across the street are newer, and but I'm just more. We're more like-minded. And actually, what happened was I went across the street um, to tell them about it because I'd been hanging out in the front yard with the recorder a lot, and I didn't want them to think I was spying on them, <laughs> you know. And uh, and I'd have friends come out, and we'd sit in the front yard and just listen, you know. And um, so uh, I went to go talk to them about it, and I took my computer over and I showed them a picture of a large. Uh, footprint that I'd found, um, and as soon as I pulled up the picture, um, I, w- I didn't even tell them what I was getting to, I just I just kind of said, I, I wanted to tell you this because I don't want you to think I'm sitting there staring at your house all night, you know, <laughs> right across the street from me, And because uh, I'm not, you know, and, and they have a single street light over there, and the rest of it's just darkness all around us, and um, they, uh, I, I walked over there, and I pulled up that picture, and the guy's wife immediately started crying, and she walked away. And I said, okay. I said, I looked at the the man, the, my neighbor, and I said, man, I'm I'm really sorry. I apologize if uh, I hurt. She's like, he's like, no, man. He has, she has a connection with that. And then she came right back out, and she was crying, and she said, my dad just died of COVID last week, and my dad loved Bigfoot. Interesting. And I'm still I'm not, not exactly sure if he had had an encounter himself, or he just was very interested and always wanted to. But she, either way, she felt like it was, you know, uh, kind of a divine. Inspirate, in the divinely inspired event, I guess, for it to happen, to occur, that, that they would uh, come there. For me personally, and they agree now that it's it's they're here for me as far as, because, I mean, I've just already been doing this work, so I'd already been laying the groundwork and spending a lot of time with them. Um, and I think it's, I think, I don't think it's one of the families that I met, because all the families I met are still in place. Um, I think it's a family that um, is related to the other families. And for whatever reason, they decided they wanted to come here and live near me. And they're right around humans, um, but they do have a, an area of about, I'd say it's about 400 yards wide and about 1,000 yards long. And then they have a they have a trailway and a, a fence line that goes back up into the woods. Like they can follow a cow pasture back up into the woods, you know, the actual woods. Interesting. So they have plenty of woodland around here to roam. I mean, I live in the mountains. I don't live in a big city. Um, 
you know, I live just out in the boonies, you know, but there's there are people around here, and this is kind of a vacation area. Well, you know, one um, thing you mentioned, you you sing to him and play music. You know, I had a guest on a couple of times going back about three years ago. He lived in Greenwater, Washington, which is up by Mount Rainier, you know, and it's not many people there, maybe like 13, 14 families in that whole area. And what he would do was go down by the river and he would play a flute. And he claimed that, you know, Bigfoot uh, creatures would come and listen to him. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Playing his yes. flute for hours. I'm playing a harmonica now, and they love it. And and I learned this from Les Stroud. I, I, t- I brought the harmonica out. I just took a standard harmonica out originally because I never played harmonica. I've written over 500 songs being a singer-songwriter, and I mean all styles. But I only played guitar and bass, and only played bass to do the recording and so on. You know, I've only played around with a djembe drum, and that's about it. But um, I, I picked up the harmonica because Les Stroud on Survivor Man said um, that when he's out in the woods, if he has a harmonica with him, and a black, he sees black bears, he says he'll start playing the harmonica, and the mother will run away, and the cubs will run up a tree every time. He said he looked at the camera and said every time, like that. And I said, well, that's what I need because I don't like weapons, and I need something out there to protect me when I'm out there trying to talk to Sasquatches. Lo and behold, harmonicas, while they repel other wild animals, they attract Sasquatches. They absolutely love it. Yeah, have you ever tried a flute? Have you ever thought about that? No, I'm not as good with the flute. Um, Harmonica's just so much easier to play, and I like to combine playing the guitar and the harmonica. I've actually been taking the the neck stand, you know, where you can attach the harmonica to to your body, more Uh or less. And uh, so I can play acoustic guitar and then play harmonica and sing for them. Um, and then I actually went back and bought, uh, instead of just having that one standard harmonica, which is in the key of C, I went back and bought seven harmonicas, which you can get a pack in a pack from Fender, I think, um, for only 45 bucks. And um, so I'll take those out. And I'll, it, not only am I playing with my music, but um, here at the house, uh, I've been playing a lot of stuff off of YouTube for them, or I'll play CDs for them, like the Black Crows. One of their favorite songs is She Talks to Angels. Well, you know, who would have guessed that, right? <laughs> and uh, I'll well, play I harmonica add... along with it. Well, Jonathan, <laughs> have you ever thought about leaving as a gift towards them a harmonica, and next time you go out there, you might be hearing some harmonica playing out there? Actually, I have. I, I don't think a harmonica would work as well because it's going to end up getting dirty. And, you know, they're going to get dirty in it. They don't know how to keep them. They're not, I don't, I'm pretty sure they don't know how to keep them clean and stuff like that. So that would be a problem. I do have a thumb harp that I was playing for them in the wintertime because I couldn't take my tilt out and I didn't, the harmonica hadn't come to mind at that point. Um, so I might could take the uh, thumb harp and leave it over there. 
And um, I, there's another name for the thumb harp. It's actually an African name, but I, I totally forget what it was. Um, but you basically, it's just a, it's a, it's some little tuning forks on a wooden board, more or less. <laughs> and you can just kind of, you hold it in the palms of your hand and play it with your thumb. And they've watched me play that several times, so I could probably like that. I've, I've been thinking several times about putting that over there and seeing if maybe they start playing that. Because there is a young one over there. Um, I recognize, uh, I can tell, I, I've, I've only seen, in all the months I've been working with them, I've only seen one, and the one that I saw was just a black silhouette with bluish-white eye shine. It was seven foot tall, and it was lanky, and uh, muscular lanky. And it was almost as if it wanted me to see it because I was leaving the area of my first encounter. And um, I, uh, as I was pulling out of the parking lot, I, and I think my, the bluish-white eye shine was actually my LED lights shining in its eyes, but more or less shining back at me. Um, and it was an encounter where I just looked off to the left and saw it, and then I looked back and I stopped the car and I looked back and it's gone. You know, but it's one of those things where you didn't even realize what you were looking at. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you know, Wait, yeah. But, and when it happens fast, how about footprints? Have you got any good footprints or found any? Yeah, yeah, actually, I, yeah, I have pictures of footprints, and I'm not sure if I sent you. Yeah, I think I did send you the video. Um, I sent you a video called All in the Family. Now, my YouTube videos are unlisted. They're only, they only go to the people that I share them with. Um, they're not up for money, or they're not hashtagged or anything like that. Um, but I sent you one, and, it, and it, the, the video is audio. It's, it's audio with pictures of their tree structures and some footprints I found. Interesting. Um, yeah, and the footprint, the main footprint that I found that I almost feel like they left on purpose because it's literally between a rock and a stump. So they would have stepped off onto this rock um, with its right foot and then down on the ground with its left foot and then back up onto this this tree that I, I, I think it pushed over um, on the property and then just walked across the tree instead of, you know, or, or, you know, walk back over there. There's leaves everywhere around here. I live in an area where we have, you know, a lot of foliage. <laughs> so... It's it's not easy to find footprints by any means, and I found quite a few. And I found a, a tracks, and the stride was like four to five feet wide. I'm like, are you kidding me, man? This is crazy. It sounds um, but like But I had it, yeah. to, to dig out leaves to do it. You know, um, I've left them peanut butter jars out before, and they lick the whole peanut butter jar clean. I think there's only two other animals that could really do that. Um, if you, I mean, overnight, you know. And that would be maybe a deer or a bear. Yeah, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm positive about anything. I know that a raccoon can unscrew a peanut butter jar lid because I've seen that on YouTube. And I've having to learn about Sasquatches. I've had to learn about all the other wild animals and the things they are able to do. You know, so you don't get fooled. Um, and raccoons definitely have. You know, I can tell when raccoons have been there though because I leave out apples for them too. When you leave out apples, when I leave out apples for a Sasquatch, and I heard this from another researcher too. Once I told him about it, I would leave out. You know, I don't know seven to ten apples, they would always leave me two in the same place that I left them out. And I would set them out across that fallen tree that I was telling you about. And by the way, the track measured, I never actually measured it, but it was—it looked like I put my foot next to it in the picture, and in my, I'm a size 10 and a half or 11, and it looked like it was a size 22. <laughs> They're big. So like Shaquille O'Neal, you know. Um, so I'm saying, I'm thinking it's at least seven, it's at least as big as Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. Um, my, it's my not a little bigger. Now, my curiosity, when you're singing to them and playing music to them, are you hearing any whoops or are you hearing any, you know, tree uh, slapping or anything going on as you're playing, you know, singing yes, to them? Yes, um, uh, it's mostly the young ones. Um, there's a lot to talk about. So 
especially the young ones. When the way I know there's a family is that you'll hear you'll hear the want something that sounds like that. That's the younger ones. I, I don't know. I cannot know for sure anything. I'm theorizing everything, so I, I totally acknowledge that here. But I do know that those are the young ones, from my own experience, because those are the ones that come closest to me. Those are the ones that are the most curious, and those are the ones that have the least fear. And you can always hear mom and dad in the background, just nearby. They'll be whooping or knocking or doing whatever, letting you know they're there, letting you know, or keeping the young one, you know, from going too close. Um, that that's those are the, usually the friendliest families are the ones with children, and uh, then you'll have the juveniles. Um, juvenile males are usually pretty quiet. They're very reserved. Um, they don't talk a lot. I actually think the one that I had the standoff with was a juvenile male that just wanted to establish dominance with me so that it could communicate with me because it had already been trying to communicate with me. Does that make sense? It, it does. Now, when you're singing and playing, too, do you ever get any pebbles, rocks, or anything thrown at you? Um, some, but they actually, when you're singing, and, and my friends can... <laughs> They can vouch for me on this. They're quiet, and they're listening. And if I'm playing a music, you know, from YouTube, uh, I want to say last night here at the house I played uh, Allison Krauss and Union Station for the first time. And I've been playing them a lot of different kinds of music lately. I'm, a, you know, being a musician, you like, I love anything from bluegrass to blues. I like some rap. I like, you know, classical, you name it. So I'm going to play. Every, I want to expose them to as much as possible that's not, you know, totally insane or whatever. I've even played a little Pantera for them, which I don't think was their favorite, but, um, uh, I played some Allison Krauss and Union Station for the first time for them last night. And, um, man, they got quiet, and then after every song, the male would just let out the loudest knock. And then he'd get quiet again and wait for the next song and listen. And it's the young ones that will be noisier th when the music's going, um, but they actually still get a little bit quieter because they're listening too. And if you're performing for them, they get quiet and they listen. Um, I took a friend the night before last, I took a friend out to uh, the first family, um, which is where I had my first in, you know, major encounter. And um, it was his first time being out there. It was his second time. He had been on my front porch, so it was his second time having a Sasquatch experience. And um, I took my guitar and my harmonica, and he acknowledged and noticed that uh, when I would play and sing, they would all get quiet. And as soon as I stopped, they would start moving around and snapping stuff and doing things again. And when I say moving around and snapping stuff, I mean just going about usual Sasquatch business. I don't mean you know, like throwing all kind of stuff at us. They they just throw little stuff at us. It's just like they're just saying hey to you. You know? It's it's not it's it's not anything threatening. It's not overbearing. Um it's it's almost as if they know how gentle they need to be with, with witch humans. You know? And I've seen them act different with other humans. Um I've actually had friends up at that first place and other humans would pull up, other people would pull up, and they actually ran uh, people off a couple of different times. I mean, literally, the people got out of the car, and they started snapping branches and all kind of stuff, but it was over on that side of the parking lot, and they didn't bother us. And then the people would leave, and they, they, then they calmed down. It's like they only wanted us there. And maybe it's just because they can kind of be themselves when we're there, and they don't feel like they have to be quiet all the time and hide so much, you know? Well, maybe um, they don't know because you're not showing any signs of aggression Again, exactly. you know, again, well, people go out there in the woods with guns and fire them at anything. And, and you know, that's where I think the, some of the aggression happens, like hunters, you know, yeah, going yeah, out in the exactly. woods, you know, and stuff like that and firing their guns to do their kills and yeah. stuff like that. I, I'm sure it 
probably offends the Bigfoot. Well, it, it, it would, it, like I said, it would make them terrified for their family immediately. We don't know that fear. We, we, we as humans do not know that fear unless we've been hunted, you know, and I know some people in the world have. I'm not going to take that away from them. People have been murdered, obviously, but, um, but we don't know that fear on a regular basis of having to be worried about, you know, getting mistaken for some other kind of animal out in the woods for the most part, you know. It's just, that's just not a concern for humans for most of the time. Now, when you go out in the woods and stuff, do you, you, you mentioned you don't bring any weapons. Hopefully you take bear spray with you. No, the harmonicas. And I don't mean that in a rude way. I'm just, I'm very against taking weapons out around Sasquatches or their families because it's so important to the trust. Well, not just for I'm, them. I, I, I'm talking about because, you know, there are people that get attacked by bears and eaten by yeah. bears. Um. I'm, I am far more concerned about humans, and I've had more confrontations with humans in my life than I have had animals. I'm just not. I, I, it's like I said, the harmonica is all I need. A loud noise, you know, will uh, will scare a bear off. We don't have grizzlies here. We have black bears. So it's a little bit different, you know. It's not like the Rockies. But there's a video on YouTube of a black bear, I mean a grizzly bear, charging a man and uh, the man waits till the bear gets right in front of him, and then the man turns around and like, like goes Rah! like that at the bear, and the bear turns around and runs the other way. No, he was lucky. So it, 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 it's it's you know you got to learn animal behavior, and I've already that's why I've had to do this with primates. So I'm kind of had to do it with other animals out here, and I'm very aware of the, the bears are the biggest threat out here. But then we have panthers out here too, which I've seen twice that they say that don't exist around here. You know, they keep saying they don't exist around here. I've seen them. I saw one just the other night. Cross, it would cross the road in front of me. It was on the other side of the road. And I saw its big head, its long tail, and it was a bright orange color, like a mountain lion color, <laughs> you know. So whether it was a panther or a mountain lion, I'm not sure. But it didn't look as big. It just had a big head. But the body didn't seem as big as a mountain lion. It seemed more like a panther. Um, and I actually heard one cry uh, the night after my encounter. I went back to the same place, and I heard one make a cry 100 yards away from me. Um, and I had to go and look it up on YouTube to know exactly what it was, but it would sound like a woman being murdered. And that's, you know, a panther. Um, I know what a bobcat sounds like because we have a bobcat around the house. Um, but a uh, bobcat actually gets territorial with the Sasquatches. But I, I just, I depend on the harmonica, and plus I'm a witch. And uh, I know, you know, if you're not a witch, you don't understand. You're going to say, oh, this guy's crazy. You know, he's, he's just an idiot. He's a fool. He doesn't know what he's doing. Um, but I pray a lot, and um, this this has worked for me for years. And I've encountered things in the paranormal realm that even some of your most experienced psychics and so on haven't encountered. And that doesn't mean I've encountered everything. It just means that there are particular things that I've dealt with related to pagan gods and goddesses and so on, which are very, very powerful energies and can be very terrifying, um, which have come in my life to teach me lessons for periods of time. And then they... they kind of less, lessen or leave. And I think all of that has helped me to be in preparation dealing with the Sasquatches. You know, because for the longest time, um, even going up and talking to them, I would still get really scared because I wasn't sure of how they were going to react to me or just what they were going to do. And these, these Sasquatches here, um, they'll test you. You know, they'll see how close they can get to you before you get afraid, you know, or what they can do, what they can get away with, you know. Um, and I had to figure that out. And also the ones that came to my house, they would come around the house, and they still do some, but they would come around the house at night, uh, and I would hear them right outside my window, and they were watching my, they were learning my patterns. So every time I'd come in or do whatever, and they've got a full view into my house. I've just got woods behind my house. There's another house up behind it, but there's woods in between. 
Um, and they would just come up. I would hear them creeping around, and then it got to where they would actually whoop from outside, and I would whoop back to them to let them know, you know, I'm hearing them <laughs> from inside the house. I could literally be sitting on the toilet, and they would whoop, and I would whoop back at them. Oh, wow. And um, and the other night, um, when the juvenile, there was a juvenile male, and I think the female's pregnant. Um, and I'm again, this is theory, but... The juvenile male started coming around here more, and I could still hear the the youngest female over there doing the chatter, you know. The and I could hear the the main female over there, and I could hear the male over there, and then there was another one coming back here. So that's when I figured, oh, there's a there's a probably a juvenile male, and I think he was starting to get pushed out of the nest. And one night I heard a bunch of snapping and whooping back here not too long ago, and um I don't know, it was maybe a couple of months ago. And then the juvenile male was gone the next night, and I didn't, I didn't feel anything. The, one of the main things I rely on when I'm around them is I feel them. Sometimes they won't make noises, and I'll feel them, and I'll look up at where, where I'm feeling them from, and I'll say, you know, I can feel you, right? And then they'll make a noise. <laughs> it's the funniest thing. And I've caught this on recorder several times. Um, and, and I do. I've, you know, I've grown up... Uh, I am not some kind of psychic medium or anything like that, but I've just I've grown up having spiritual and paranormal experiences all my life. And, and you know, they're just doing a talk show like this. You know, there are people that are just like that. I don't make any money off of it, talk you know, talking about it or helping people. But I've helped people with paranormal problems. Um, I've dealt with I've helped people, and I have myself dealt with demonic issues and stuff like that. Um, but uh, right now, everything seems like it's kind of taking a back seat to the Sasquatches. To be honest with you, the house I live in is very haunted. Um, but it's not the kind, again, you know, like my Sasquatch encounters are not like what a lot of other people have. My, my spiritual encounters are often not like what a lot of other people have. Because a lot of times spirits are just looking for someone they can connect with. And they may do crazy things to get someone's attention or until they find, can find someone they can connect with because they don't know any better. And maybe Sasquatches are the same way in some ways. Well, Maybe you know, looking for, go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, I, I, yeah, I, I really, you know, have talked to so many people through the years about Bigfoot, you know, and their stories about their encounters and stuff, anything from rocks being thrown at them uh, to them, you know, giving the people gifts and then yeah. being upset if they don't get a gift back. Uh, as far as one <laughs> guy, up, I know one guy who lived out way out on a mountain and he yeah. made a mistake one time leaving his garage door open. And all yeah. of a sudden, you know, his wife was freaking out because a Bigfoot was actually trying to get from the garage into the house. Oh, Lord. So that, that could be scary. Yeah, I haven't had any of those issues. Um, knock on wood, uh, you know. But again, I'm a witch and I do a lot of prayer and we do a lot of spell and boundary work. And, um, you know... I later, after I moved in this house, I later found out that there are more than likely Native Americans buried here, that they were massacred in this area when some settlers came through. Um, and that was after I started having experiences in the house that I went and researched the history of the area and so on. Um, so I, I was already learning to deal with that. And at the same time, none of the spirits here to me are, are harmful or you know unfriendly or anything like that. I'm not really having problems with them. But I've just learned to set up boundaries because I believe I live on what you call a portal where there just happens to be, you know, the veils are thinner. Let's just put it that way, I guess, is the simplest way to say it. Okay, um, now we get, we need to take a break, and after the break, I can have you on for about another 15 minutes, and then I got a lot of questions to ask you. 
So if you can yeah. hang on for another 15 minutes, uh, we'll go for it. And uh, the break is going to be about three minutes long. So that'll give you a chance to go get something to drink or whatever. You're listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio. Check out our website at www.nightdreamstalkradio.com. Now, a lot of you guys wonder why we don't have a club. If you go onto our website, to our archives, a lot of shows want you to join a club. They want you to pay a monthly, well, fee to be able to access all the past shows. You can listen to all our past shows for free. But again, too, you know, the, to put a show on like this is not cheap. We feed out to radio stations. We're all over the Internet. We got employees to pay. And you know what? Maybe if you can make a donation for a buck or two. Anyway, we'll be back, so stay tuned. I was sitting by a campfire in the desert with some friends Talking about the world How the saga's never end Checking out the stars Looking at the sky, laughing at them, joking how the sun would make us high. Shadows rose around us, our sun began to fade. Stars glowed above us in the lovely night on me. Talking about the cosmos, where destiny must end us. We saw the light and then that night of Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
would like to hear Night Dreams Talk Radio on your local radio station, let them know. Tell them to check out www.nightdreamstalkradio.com and thank you. Hi, this is Tom Davis with Metatron Power and Light. Our songs are inspired by our own experiences and the stories of people we've met. We know what we've seen and we know the truth. We are not alone. What's unusual about Metatron Power and Light as a band is we share the same beliefs. We've all had similar experiences, and together through music, we can explore the kinds of subjects that haven't been presented in exactly this way before. We want everyone to know that what you're going through, we're going through. When you're being told one thing and seeing another, we're here with you. Music brings people together, and together, we're strong. Stay safe, stay indoors, and listen to us. From the compound in beautiful Gig Harbor, Washington, Night Dreams Talk Radio presents your host, Gary Anderson. And that is me. Our guest tonight is Jonathan Smith. We're talking about Bigfoot and Bigfoot families around his, well, his property. You know, another thing you mentioned, Jonathan, that, you know, ghost and stuff like that. Well, again, too, you hit it right on the nail. If there's bodies or parts of bodies on your property or around there, could uh, cause, well, some of that ghost to be going on in your house. Oh, yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, I'd... I'd don't doubt that at all but i mean a lot of places are haunted nowadays because people have died everywhere um but yeah i'm also the kind of person that everywhere i've grown up if i went somewhere and it was haunted i was going to have an experience you know it was just it was always bound to happen um i would have experiences at the house my mother grew up in i would have experiences at the campground and at the house but the house my father grew up in the campground that um his family helped found um down in the state of Mississippi, and and so it's, you know, it's been a normal thing to me. Actually, when I went to the Cayman Islands with my family when I was eight, I remember looking, waking up in the night and looking on the wall and seeing a silhouette of, uh, it was like a, it looked like maybe an African-American type, you know, Afro-Caribbean type maid, you know, or slave or something, like a female. Um, Just, I could tell by the silhouette, she had her hair back in the bun and had the, uh, the, I don't know, the, with kind of like the maid's um, cowl they'd wear or whatever it was. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's been normal for me. And then, like I said, I, I just, I've kind of been helping people with paranormal problems off and on since I was a child. Well, not a child, but I'd say 16. You know, literally my teenage friends would call me and say, hey, man, so this happened at so-and-so's house or blah, blah, blah. Can you help us? You know, or they would even... A lot of times, they, you know how kids were, they do something stupid like start messing with a book of Necronomicon or, you know, the Satanic Bible or something. They don't know what they're doing. And the next thing you know, they got demons or something that they have to deal with. And they always call me up and say, hey, man, come fix this problem. <laughs> you know? Oh. Well, and I wouldn't always know what I, what I was doing, but uh, I've always had something looking over my shoulder. Well, what got you into, Jonathan, into witchcraft? Because I'll be honest with you, my first wife was a witch. 
not the friendly type of witch. I found that out after we were married. And it was like two and a half years of me being like I was in hell. I never knew well, what to expect. I mean, uh, well, what type of witch are you, and what got you into it? I never, ever do anything to hurt anyone. Um, I've actually even been robbed since I've been pretty high up in my witchcraft. And, and I feel like it was more powerful to forgive the people um, than it was to actually wish any harm upon them. Does that make sense? It does. And so it increased my energy and increased my my strength and my power, but not in a negative way. It's not like, oh, I'm powerful and I'm dominant and blah, blah, blah. It's just more like I'm powerful in the ways of love. Okay. So, it so you don't, it helped with that. You don't uh, practice yeah, I, any a, black magic my, or anything? No, no. I, I deal with entities that you can do black magic with sometimes because they're neutral entities. And a lot of them are actually gods of judgment, more or less, um, when I say gods, gods and goddesses is a loose term. I believe in a single creator personally, and I'm only stating my personal beliefs, but I believe in a, in a single creator, but I believe that there are different entities that have functions in the universe that are assigned at those functions. And uh, like one of the entities I deal with is a Morgan, and uh, you, can, you can do, I don't say I deal with her, I've worked with her, she's worked with me. I don't deal with them. Um, I don't make deals with these uh, entities at all, to be honest. I don't worship them. It's not anything like that, nor do they demand that of me. Um, I literally think they're trying to help me become a better person so that I can be a better light in this world, if you want to call it that. Or, you know. um, and, and that's all I feel. My father is a Methodist minister, and I love my parents to death. I have a great relationship with them. I say to death. I love them to life, excuse me. <laughs> well, how's your, you mentioned uh, your father is a minister. How did he take it when you told him you were a witch? Uh, well, I don't use that term a lot. We use pagan kind of, but now it's really more, I try to use the term pantheist since it's really just, you know, I believe in a lot of different things, but I, but I believe that there's, you know, a spirit that is, is one spirit in all things. Um, he, uh, he, at times it was hard for him because they're on up in age, they're in their 80s now, and um, he said, you know, I worry about your soul, son. He said that to me a few times, and um I've kind of fired back at him, uh, and, and he actually pulled, after I told him the Bible verse, he pulled out the scripture. He told me, I quoted it to him, and then he told me which one it was, which I can't remember exactly. It's Matthew something, 20, chapter 23 something. And um, it says, uh, it's basically Christ saying, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I needed a place to stay, you gave me shelter. When I was in prison, you came to visit me. Whenever you did it for the least of these, you accepted me. And, you know, and basically that he wasn't going to turn his back on those who had accepted him. And, and you know, I, so I tried to do that. I, I just recently spent $300 on emergency sleeping bags for homeless people, which I'm going to have to kind of wait until wintertime before they're more, you know, useful. <laughs> but uh, but I'm going to give them to a, a local. Um, I'm friends with someone who started a pantry, a local pantry, a food pantry here. And so I can give her money or whatever, and she can get it distributed immediately to people that need it. Interesting. So it's just it's just a matter of being a good person to, for me. All of this, none, none, it, it, magic matters not unless I can do something good with it. Now and going. I, oh, I'm sorry because our time is all up, uh, almost up, and I I got a couple questions I want to ask you. Have you ever thought about putting out trail cams to get images of these creatures? Oh yeah. The problem is is the more you put out cameras, the less they trust you. And a recorder is something that's just so subtle that they they don't really mind it um you know i can take a task cam out and the light comes on one time and that's it i'm not sure if they feel cameras 
Um, I want to be honest with you, they're actually moving around behind me <laughs> right here. They're probably just within 20 or 30 yards of me, and I've heard a whoop or two since I've been out here. But I, I doubt you'll pick much of this up on the phone, though. Yeah, that was... I hear you back there. <laughs> I'll talk to you in a minute. Give me a little time. Yeah, he's cracking branches right behind me. Oh, wow. Do you ever yeah. get... Do you ever get scared yet even after all these encounters um, you have had when, yeah when they're near right now my hair's kind of starting to stand up on the end but it, it calms quickly they don't know what i'm doing right now because they're used to me when i'm home they're used to me being out here entertaining them i don't i don't spend a lot of time entertaining myself when i'm home at night i, I come out here and i like to talk to them i'd rather visit yeah they're right here i hear you back there now <laughs> now jonathan our Sorry. time is virtually up do you have a website or uh, Facebook page or anything where people can find you and uh, chat with you or anything? Um, not anything I want to give out because of the locations. Um, there may be a time where I'll become more public, but um, right now I, I really just like to stay as obscure as possible when it comes to this. But I would li- I do want to get my story out there. Um, you know, and, and, and if at some point um, I do get my name out there and so on, then I'm, I will definitely bring up your, your... I'll come back on the show if you'll have me. Oh, yeah, we, that's uh, no problem. There's still a lot to talk about. <laughs> well, you know what? Why don't you talk to James? We'll bring you back on at a later date, and we can have part two of this. How's that? Yes, sir. That's fine with me. Fine with me. Okay, Jonathan. Uh, there's, there's, if, do, you have, do you have two minutes for me to tell I you? Got, I got story? exactly two minutes. Go ahead. Okay, uh, real quick, um, right after I had my first encounter, the first thing I did was I called a wildlife specialist with the local park service, and I got a call back from him three or four days later, and we talked to him, and we went down the list of known animals around here, and we, he said, I have no idea what you encountered, and I was very calm in my explanation to him and so on, and very in detail like with you, and he said, I have no idea what you encountered, and we went down the list of bear, boar, panther, you name it, and he said, anything else would have, would have gone away after 10 minutes or charged you, you know. And then he said, I, he said, he said I've gotten panther reports before. I've never gotten a Bigfoot, before, Bigfoot report before. To which I responded, I didn't say Bigfoot, you did. So anyways, I just wanted to share that last story. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan. And again, I want to thank you for being a guest on the show here tonight. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay. And the, Sasquatch, the Sasquatches do, too. Okay. Okay, my <laughs> Give friend. Give them a good name. Okay. You take care. All right. You, too. Thank you very much, Gary. Okay. Thank you, too, James. All right. Good night. Well, hey, James, I think we have a really good show coming on tomorrow, don't we? Oh, we absolutely do. We have Mr. Bob Berman coming back on, going to talk about asteroids, some of the, uh, about the, um, where they found they couldn't do anything against them, and all kind of new reports about asteroids and other universe-type stuff. Well, you know what? It kind of was really concerning to me. You know, last week, NASA uh, admitted, you know, they ran a symbolization of, you know, of a program to see if we could deflect an asteroid hit and they came back and said at this point we can't we don't even with all our technology we could not deflect an asteroid i'm not so much worried about an asteroid but i was reading again in the news today james uh, that another russian rocket not russian but a chinese rocket is going to any day now come into our atmosphere they don't know where it's going to land when it breaks up. Now, the major part of the rocket, the booster and all that stuff, will burn up. But some of the components is what you have to worry about. 
Yes, I've been reading that too. You got some um, mystery projectiles that could land anywhere, and that could be dangerous for sure. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be in an area of one when it hits because at the speed of it. They, again, you know, the space station, the, the arm of it, about a week and a half ago was hit by space junk and actually went almost virtually right through it. It, it tells me when you're in the space station, you know, a, again, if if the arm of the uh, space station got hit with a piece of space junk or whatever, debris, I mean, is this like a matter of time? What What would happen if the station got hit? Yeah. What would happen if uh, they're out there doing a little mission and, and got hit and then he's lost out in the space? Let me tell you, we've been putting junk out there since the 1950s. So that stuff is really uh, stockpiling up and not just us, everybody that's been up there. Oh, yeah. And don't forget, we keep putting satellites up like you wouldn't believe. So, I mean, eventually these satellites are going to die. They're going to be, you know, up there. It's just more junk, more junk, and more junk. So I, I think you know, it's, it's, it's it would be a very unsafe place. Again, now NASA's talking about maybe going back to the moon. Have you noticed that? I have, and I'll tell you what else I've noticed. You probably read it too. Is uh, I believe it was the CEO of Amazon's going to uh, go to space in his own rocket. He's going to be one of the very first people to go to space. He can afford it. He's well. What, one of the richest people on Earth? Yeah, matter of fact, uh, Gary, there's one seat left for $2.8 million. No, no, thank you. Do you want to go? <laughs> I don't want to go. I Come on. I, I rode with my wife two days ago in the car, and that scared the you-know-what out of me with her driving. No offense, Linda, but could you imagine <laughs> going up in space? I don't know. I don't know. I just don't. I'm not ready for a man to do what he's going to do. But you know what? He has a lot of money. He'll. I just hope he leaves it to charity. I don't know. Hey, what's some of our guests we have next week, James? Well, uh, next, well, plus Friday we got Mr. Tom Ogden coming on talking about some brand new uh, ghost stories from the roads and the back roads. But uh, then next Monday we got uh, Kristen Blackburn coming on. She's going to be talking about UFOs and exp- she's an uh, alien abduction experiencer. She's going to talk about that. And then, well, we have Mary Joyce coming back on, and she's always a treasure trove of information, ranging from little people to Bigfoot to UFOs to you name it. She's Earth got all changes. that covered. Earth changes. Yeah. Also, yeah. But guess what? Next Thursday we're going to have a a real fantastic show. We're going to have. Ed Roman and Joe Taylor both on at the same time. And if you are wondering who Joe Taylor is, he has a museum in Texas, in Blanco, Texas. And, uh, you know, he puts dinosaur bones together and all that stuff. And he's an expert on dinosaurs and monsters and stuff like that, Mothman and all that. Ed Romans, if you are in Canada, listener, you know undoubtedly who I'm talking about. He's like one of the top folk singers of Canada. He just won a major award. So those two, you know, will be going at talking about prehistoric creatures. That's going to be a fantastic show. You know that, James. Oh, that is going to be a fantastic show. I got to tell you something else. Even the following show for the next Friday, uh, we're going to have fantastic. We're going to have three guests. 
at two hours long. First, we have Paul Askoff coming on from the UK talking about UFOs and his new book, and he's got a long, many years of research. But Mark Cushman's coming on with Vic. Uh, I, think, I know I pronounced his last name wrong, but I think it's McGorney or something like that. Well, you know, he played. Uh, go ahead. Well, Vic is an actor, and what he yes. did, you know, back a few years ago, he built the, well, the uh, replica of the original Star Trek in a warehouse, which is still there. You know, we actually had the pre- the new owner of it on our show about a year ago. And uh, he's going to be talking about Star Trek. But what he did is he made the ending of the original Star Trek. He made a series of, a, you know, of some great endings of Star Trek where Star Trek would have went if it would have been on the final season. And so and if you go on YouTube and just check that out, you will be shocked the quality of what he did. In fact, it was so good that the network, CBS, said, hey, you can't do this. You can't do this anymore. And you know what's really strange is these guys, you know, like Renegade, you know, Walter, you know, the guy who played Chekhov, you know, was in a couple of the Renegade ones. And and that's a continue of basically of Star Trek. It's funny how they can produce an episode for a fraction of, of what the network does, and the quality is just as good as the network. Have you noticed that, James? I have noticed that, and you know that's kind of set a little trend uh, because even uh, Sean Kenning mentioned that when we had him on about how a lot of these uh, different corporations or companies they are producing a lot of this stuff because it's a lot cheaper and the quality is pretty much uh, comparable. Well, actually, it's a lot cheaper, and the quality is actually, in some cases, even better. Now, you just mentioned Sean Kennedy. If for people out there, he was, if you watched the original Star Trek, you remember Christopher Pike, Captain Christopher Pike. And uh, he played that part so well in Star Trek. So, you yeah, great. It's going to be a great show. And don't we have a couple other people that are kind of famous coming up in ufology, like Cheryl? Oh, 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 yes. Now she's going to be coming on the twenty third, Miss Cheryl Costa. Now she just came out with the book of everything statistical wise UFOs cover from states. You name it, she's got it in this book. Statistics about UFOs. Yes, she is coming on. That'd be uh, on the twenty third. So that'd be exciting, also. Oh, yeah. So we got some great guests lined up. I'm really kind of excited about, you know, Bob being on tomorrow. And we're going to talk about, again, asteroids, you know, what is going on. You know, they keep finding new galaxies and black holes in all this stuff. You know, they just found another black hole that sucked up a star. So this is the type of stuff we're going to talk about tomorrow. Well, everybody, I just want to thank you for tuning in and everybody on the radio side, uh, on the YouTube side. Please, you know, share us, let people know about us. And we're growing the YouTube side. It's new to me. It, it, you know, in all my years of broadcasting, this is the first time I've ever had a camera, you know, facing at me. That's why I never went into TV. It was always radio because I just don't have the face for it. Everybody have a good one. We will catch you tomorrow. And a big shout out to Tom with Metatron Power and Light.
the boy lives next door.